0: Hello, my name is the Third, and I wanna welcome you to our weekly Community Connect. This week, I wanna talk about Mastermind. And when I think about Mastermind, it's something that the Lord gave me a couple weeks ago. But over the span of several messages we've been talking about and making it through the mess, we talked about, Fear, shame and guilt and and it's just been this continual thought about how much we rely on our carnal nature our feelings and emotions to make decisions and sometimes we use our feelings and emotions and this fleshly nature our senses to make major decisions in our lives and I didn't realize how much I was doing that. I didn't realize how much or how many times in a day that I would make decisions based on how I felt or what I thought in my own natural reasoning without even asking God any of it. And it was very alarming for me. And so I've really been taking some time this week to kind of think about these things, really check myself. And then God placed on my heart to speak about mastermind. And when I think about mastermind and what I wanna share with you today is this one thought, hopefully I'll be able to share it a few times throughout this message, but it's, it's that you become a mastermind by mastering your mind. You become a mastermind by mastering your mind. And this is important. When we talk, when we think about this series of messages about pressing through the pandemic and things that we need to help us with faith, hope, and love, what we think about is critical because the Bible talks about how as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And sometimes we're not always checking the things that are on our mind, almost like a bouncer that's at a club, not to use that example, but I mean not to try to use uh, such an example, but if you think about it, if there's a bouncer that's saying, okay, who can come in and who can't come in. And sometimes with our minds, we don't always do that. We don't always say, Hey, Thought, you're not gonna come in, that's not coming through. Good thought, yes. Bad thought, no. Oftentimes we'll be swimming around different thoughts in our minds day after day, moment after moment, but we are allowing these things to kind of shape and shape who we are, shape our decisions, because what we think about ultimately may become what we wind up doing. And so we have to consider those things because as we think about it, especially as we repeat a matter, it can separate close friends in some, in some instances. So as we think about something, if you ever thought about something that's negative or bad or makes you sad or, or filled with guilt, you will continue to feel even more guiltier, you know, where it's almost like this dark, uh, abyss that you continue to keep yourself in or, a uh, a uh, uh, um, like a a, uh, burden that's kind of sitting on you and weighing you down and heavy, and it's all just in your mind. And it's not even even anything that may be real because all these, what you're thinking about creates all these feelings and emotions, and it's devoid of rational thought. And we become trapped in our own minds, and we have the keys. God has given us the keys to free ourselves. And so hopefully in this message, I just want to be able to share a few things that helps us all this has been a message for me we talked about this on Sunday and now I'm kind of doing a, a retaping and hopefully we'll get through that process where we'll just have one tape at one time but I want to be able to share this with you because this is an important message because what we think about is critical sometimes we lose the battle before we even begin before we take the first step while we're laying in the bed we already count ourselves off because we're thinking about what can't be done or what something's done or something's negative Instead of thinking about the positive and thinking about the good things that God can do in each of our lives, the things that he wants to do and who we are, whose we are and what he's called us to do. And so hopefully just sharing a few points from here, from this message, I'm talking about uh, Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and then be able to pull some things out of that. So let's get into the word. So in Genesis uh, 2 and 25, uh, Adam and Eve were both naked in their shame. And, and they were not ashamed. And so now they're in this situation where they did not eat. They have no knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they have not eaten from. But then it comes to the situation in, in Genesis three where the certain serpent comes to tempt Eve. And so when he tempts, when she tempts, when he tempts Eve, he says this in uh, three and one he says um, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, had God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, you, we may eat of the, tr- of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. And he says, the wor- uh, you shall not surely die. For God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So then she looked at this tree and she looked at the tree saw it was good for food right? It was pleasant to the eyes and that it was desirable to make one wise. And then she took of the fruit and ate and gave some to her husband. And they also, and he also ate. But then when they ate, when Adam ate, they immediately, their eyes were open, their understanding, their awareness had increased and they realized that they were ashamed immediately, that they were naked in shame. Now, before, before they ate the fruit, they were naked and he felt no shame. Now, as soon as they eat, they realize they're, they're naked and they're ashamed. And then they go to cover themselves, right? So then you have this situation and they hide from God. And, and in this process, now the fruit was not just where it was good for food and it looked good, but it was also containing knowledge. And it came, what it ushered in was this sinful nature, this wisdom of man. It was a decision where it comes. And sometimes we make some of the same decisions where God's information or what God has to give for me is not enough. And so I'm going to seek my own way. I'm gonna seek something else outside of God, and not something that she did. She sought something that was outside of God, and we do sometimes the same thing, where we will choose a path where God may say this, but then in my own judgment, I begin to assess things, and I wanna try my own way. But the Word talks about that the wisdom of this world, and it talks about that in 1 Corinthians 3.19, that the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for he has taken the wise in their craftiness. That is foolishness. So there was wisdom, but it's foolishness to God and it didn't lead us and it doesn't lead us anywhere closer to him because it begins a separation, right? It begins to separate us from him. And in Romans eight and seven, it says that the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So this 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 uh, enmity is like hostility. It's a reason for opposition. It's a hatred. So it's in complete opposite. So now the behaviors that we manifest is not based on the laws of God. It's not based on love. It's not based on mercy, not based on grace. It's not based on any of those things. It's in total opposition from God and a complete separation. And that's what created, created separation. But in this, as soon as they ate, there was shame and there was blame. There was a lack of accountability when questioned by God. So then when we come down, we see their children and with Cain and Abel, when they when they're given the the offerings, when Cain and Abel gave certain offerings, Cain, let me go to Genesis four real quick. So in Genesis 4 and 6, it says, so Cain became extremely angry and indignant and annoyed and hostile. This is an amplified. And this is when they both presented offerings to God, him and his brother. But then the Lord says to Cain, why are you so angry? And why do you look so annoyed? If you do well, and it says, believing in me and doing what is acceptable and pleasing to me, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, but ignore my instructions, sin crouches at your door. Its desire is for you to overpower you, but you must master it. So here it is. You have these feelings again. Now, this wisdom from man, that foolishness from God, this enmity that's separate from him, that is in opposition to the law of God now is existing in the children of Adam and Eve. And so now with the offerings that they give, uh, Abel gave an acceptable offering, one that was pleasing to God. Right. And then here, let me read it real quick. Let me go to Genesis 4, 4 and 1. So then in time past, this is in Genesis 4 and 3. Well, let me read uh, Genesis 4 and 2. And she gave birth to Cain's brother, Abel. And was a, uh, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, as time passed, Cain brought an offering to Yahweh from the fruit of the ground. And uh, Abel also brought uh, some of the uh, firstborn of his flock and his fat. And then the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he didn't respect Cain and his offering. And then this is where Cain was very angry and expression on his face failed. So this is a situation where he doesn't take responsibility for himself. That's where the sin nature is right? That's where the carnal nature where I'm not going to take responsibility for what I've done. I'm going to be upset with my brother. I'm not going to be upset with the fact that I did not present an acceptable offering. But here it is that the Lord tells him how to do that. He says, if you do well, believe in me and do what's acceptable and pleasing to me, will you not be accepted? But if you don't, and ignore my instruction, sin crouches at your door. And that's for all of us. And when we find ourselves ignoring the law of God and depending on our carnal nature and all those feelings and emotions, right? He had all those feelings and emotions that were that was washing over him. The same thing with, with, with his father. You know, those those feelings of shame that came upon him. So he hid from God. I'm not going to take responsibility for what I do. There's no accountability there. I'm not going to do it. And even with Abel, well, with Cain, all that he's did, he never accepted responsibility for his actions. So here it is. There's in, in Cain, in Cain, there's an anger. There's a lack of accountability. There's deception. There's lying and there's murder. All of that before God. So then we have a situation where he's not sorrowful, as I said before, but that's what sin does. It blinds us from the true root of the problem, which is ourselves. And oftentimes that's why it needs, we need to be humble. Sin does not causes you to be prideful. We're acting in carnal nature is about me, me, me and what you can get. So the carnal nature is not going to say that it wasn't me. Am I wrong? Is there something that I need to correct in myself? No, it's going to blame everybody else. And some of us, if we live long enough, we may have been in that same situation where we began to blame other people for mistakes that we've made. We're looking to, to see how we can see fault in someone else than turning those fingers that we're pointing at back at ourselves. And we've done that, but it says here, but for Cain and for us, if we do well, believe God and do what's pleasing and acceptable, won't we be accepted by him? And that's a process for us because here's the thing. In, in Titus 1 and 15, it says, a person who is pure of heart sees goodness and purity in everything. This is from the New Living Bible. But a person whose heart is evil and untrusting finds evil in everything, for his dirty mind and rebellious heart colors all he sees. That's why it's important for us to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Because our heart is, is, is uh, deceitful. It's desperately, It's wicked. And so we have to get to these places where we understand that our heart's going to try to deceive us. It's desperately wicked. Right. So then if it, it talks about that in Jeremiah 17 and nine, let me read that real quick. I want to make sure I get that right. because Sometimes I know I was kind of going back and forth here, but it says the heart. Let me read from the King James. So I had it. It says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So I want to make sure I got that right so now you have a situation where your heart is deceitful and it'll seek to deceive you and oftentimes we make a lot of decisions as i said before based on how we feel and feelings is like being drunk so if you have if if you ever seen someone or if you've been in a situation maybe not now but if you've ever been in a situation where you've been you know uh um drunk or full of alcohol you're in a situation where you lose um your faculties where it's almost like you know you're losing like the um, just a common knowledge i won't say common sense i don't think that's the right word to say i'm kind of lost for words but you lose your judgment, your ability to judge right from wrong. And oftentimes people call it liquid courage. You often say and do things that you normally wouldn't say and do. And just as you lose your faculties and you lose those inhibitions, sometimes when you're sober, you have those, those, those barriers that says, Hey, don't do this. Don't say that. And, but when you're drunk, when you are I'm just going to say it anyway. And so it just, there just flows right out. Some people call it liquid courage. And in those moments is not allowing you to live in a manner that's pleasing to God. And the same thing with our emotions, feelings is where you become drunk, where you're losing your, your faculties and your ability to think clearly your ability to make sober judgments. It's the same thing. But the thing is, when you get to this place, you can't compartmentalize it. You can't say, well, I'm just going to be over here and then uh, over there, I'm gonna be okay. No, it begins to color everything that you see. It begins to affect you. So when you begin to live in this carnal nature in your flesh, it's going to affect you when your heart is evil and untrusting. When you're saying in your life, just as Eve had said, that I'm not going to trust God's way. I'm not going to trust his will. I'm not going to trust what he says. And sometimes it's not just saying like, I'm just going to rob a bank or something, some big thing. It can be in the day to day. In this situation, in this moment when I know I should pray and seek God, no. I'm mad about it, so I'm going to go tell somebody off. If something, somebody, my boss is coming at me one way, I'm going to come at another way. I'm not going to even seek. I'm not going to trust God's way. That's why it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It talks about that in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. But sometimes we say, no, I know better. We begin to operate in the carnal mind. I'm going to take over. I'm not going to choose God's way. I'm not going to even think about it. Why? Because I'm emotional. And when I'm emotional, I want to solve the problem my way, not God's way. I'm going to seek vengeance for myself. I'm going to make sure that this situation is going to work out to my good. And sometimes in our own carnal nature, we'll try to get God to sign off on it. We want him to co-sign on our situation. We want to be able to do wrong and go our own way. And then we want God's blessing on it. We want to sprinkle a little Jesus on top of it and call it good. It doesn't work that way. That's where our carnal mind is trying to trick us in, in thinking that we're doing everything right. It's trying, your heart's trying to deceive you, thinking that you're going the right way. But actually, you're depending on your carnal mind. You're depending on the wisdom of man, the wisdom from flesh to lead you rather than the wisdom of God, because you're going to turn away from the law of God. Your carnal mind doesn't want any of that. So then when we come, so when we're thinking about the situation, I want to use this, you know, the do well part that God spoke to Cain in, in this to break down three steps about mastering your mind because this is huge and this is important. And what I really want to stress to you today is that there any time that you feel emotional, any time that you feel like you want to say something that's out of line or you're thinking a certain way about someone, check your thoughts. And I want you to be able to take a step back, not just react, but I want you to be proactive to say, no, this isn't this isn't of God. I've been doing that this week. I know I'm not in a good place or I've been checking myself where I may address a situation a way that I shouldn't be. Well, let me hold, let me pause for a second. So let me get this um, real quick, three quick ways that you can master your mind. I talked about it a little earlier. To be a mastermind, in order to be one, you gotta master your mind. So number one is exercising self-control. That's huge. It is huge to exercise self-control. This is so important. Because this is what keeps you from being in that drunk state in your emotions, where you're beginning to act and just react to things as opposed to taking your time. And there's been some times you may have noticed in your life when you're just angry and you just lash out. You probably wouldn't have done that if you were sober minded, if you were sober in your thinking, if you just took a moment to pause and to calm and settle down probably want to make those decisions that you may have made. So in Proverbs 14 and 30, it says a calm and undisturbed mind and heart are like life and health of the body, but envy, jealousy, and wrath are like rottenness to the bones. So I want to be calm and I want to be undisturbed, right? And it's a process for me because it's important because satan is out looking for us he's looking seeking who he can devour and as long as you can be in your emotions and feelings he got you that's where that's where he lives because he can just feed the flesh because if you want to listen to the flesh he'll just feed it go do this go do this bad and most of us are one decision away from doing all types of acts there are things that we say man i'd never do that you put yourself in a situation and you're emotional about it it may it may become a good decision for you and it may be where it'll cost you in people's lives, time, money, something else. And some of us have experienced that because of things that we've done when we acted out in the carnal nature and ignoring the law of God. So we want to be sober. It talks about this in first Peter five and eight. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you and he wants to devour me. He wants to keep us from living in the abundant life that Jesus died to give us. That's not what he wants for any of us. But we have to be careful for nothing, right? But in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, it talks about this in Philippians 4, 6 and 8, uh, let your requests be known to God. So when I'm, when I'm heavy, my heart's heavy, my, I'm emotional, I got to go to God be careful for nothing. I'm not going to worry about it. Sometimes our minds, we're, we're so worried about a situation and a decision. And sometimes we feel like we got to make a decision now, even when it's not time sensitive, even if it is time sensitive, go to God lord i need your help with this i need to cast out all my cares i need to pour it all out to make sure that where i'm i'm gonna make an exchange right so then from this the, from these feelings and emotions i'm gonna give everything over to god so that i make an exchange and receive his peace it says in verse 7 in philippians 4 it says in the peace of god which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through christ jesus and why it keeps me right the peace will come upon me that's what i need to be able to make clear decisions so i can pause and wait on god i can say lord i need to trust in you right now i'm I'm a mess my heart is a mess father i'm bringing these requests to you father i need some help because i need self-control because i don't know what to do because i know what i want to do in my flesh but i know that's not the way i need to go father help me just to pause and to be at peace give me the peace though god i'm asking for the peace that surpasses all understanding that don't make no sense right so keep your hearts and mind through christ jesus it's going to keep you secure you gonna keep my heart and my mind right so where that that heart is the seat of our emotions and our thoughts it's going to be kept it's going to be kept in peace Perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on the It talks about that in Isaiah 26 and 3. I'm going to keep my 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 mind stayed on the Lord. I'm going to be kept in perfect peace because I trust in Him. I trust in His way and where He wants me to go. So then, when I when I begin to exercise self-control, I need to exercise my faith. In in um. And that's the second thing. In Hebrews 11 and 6, it says, And without faith is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I, where am I seeking my reward? See, just like I talked about with Eve, there was a change where she said, okay, my reward, I'm going to seek for myself. We have that same to come for us. When we have these opportunities, these forks in the road. what am I going to do? Am I going to seek a reward from God and trust his way? Or I'm going to try to do it myself and oftentimes there are many times throughout the day that we choose to do it our own way the little things it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And that's what we have to be concerned about. Now, don't just think about the big giant things. We do have to think about the big giant things. But sometimes in that, we miss the smaller things too. We miss the everyday, day-to-day decisions to make sure that, hey, who am I checking for? And do I believe that God is? Do I believe he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek, me, seek him? Am I looking at things through a lens of faith? Where I'm believing that uh, He's going to reward me as I begin to trust in Him, right? Talks about that in in, uh, Hebrews 11 and 1. That faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. And my the substance is what I'm hoping for, and then uh, that's the the future and far far uh, future looking or forward looking. And then the evidence is how I'm walking it out. Does my actions say that I believe in what I'm going to receive in the future? Is there hope behind that? So but again, if I think there's going to be a greater reward reward in the flesh, I'm going in my own way. I'm going to depend on the carnal mind, which is going to be enmity and hatred and opposition to God. And that's not where we want to be. We want to be able to master our mind. And we do that. Lastly, and the third thing is by exercising our mind. And it says in Romans 12 and 2 in the Amplified, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by renewing by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what that good, what the good, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in His plan and purpose for you. That's the process. When we pause, when we begin to exercise our faith, we need to begin to undo, uh, like Yoda says, unlearn what you've learned, right? So then we can't be, uh, we we can't no longer conform ourselves to the way that the world does things, the way that you grew up. I came to Christ when I was 22, 23. I can't, I can't depend on all that knowledge. And many of us have depended on that because that's all we have. That was our source, depending on our carnal nature. But when we come to Christ, there's a new nature. We're new creations, creations, right? We're new creatures in Christ. So now as we do, we need to walk in the newness of life. And to do that, we got to read his word. We have to be progressively changed. We can't live by these old customs, but be transformed. They said progressively changed as we mature spiritually. We begin to trust in him. Why we renew our minds. We renew our minds by focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. We can't live on the values that we grew up on. We got to exchange those for his values, for godly values and ethical attitudes that allow us to live based on his word. That's why it's so important to be a disciple. A disciple is a student and a learner of Jesus. Read his word, reading the gospels, especially reading his commands. This is how we fulfill the great commandment, right? Or the great commission, I'm sorry. So that's how we feel the great commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Right. So we teach all nations, making disciples, of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Ghost, the name of Jesus, and teaching them to observe everything that he commanded, teaching them to obey that. That's where all of us should be as believers in him. All of us. That is a personal responsibility for each of us to be a disciple so that we renew our mind. We change it so we can prove for ourselves what God's will is so we can testify for ourselves. That's how we overcome. By the blood of the land and the word of our testimony, that Jesus is the son of God, that we can begin by our actions to show people, ourselves and others, we begin to show the path of God, the living by faith and not by sight and not by how we feel. It's important. In Proverbs 15 and 14, it says the mind of him who has understanding seeks knowledge and inquires after and craves it. But the mouth of the self constant fool feeds a fool feeds on folly. So if I have understanding and seek knowledge, I'm going to inquire after and I'm going to crave it. That's what we have to do to get in his word daily as much as we can. That we're meditating day and night. That's why it brings good success. For, for Joshua, we talked about that in Joshua 1 and 8. And then in Psalms, uh, Psalms 1 and 2, let me read that real quick. Um, Blessed, well, I'll read uh, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the way of sinners, standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth his fruit in his season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So there's a decision. Am I going to choose to live based on the counsel of man, or am I going to choose to live by the counsel of God, by his word, by his law? His delight is in the law of the Lord, that I delight in it. I don't delight in the counsel of the the ungodly. Nor standeth in the seat of sinners, nor nor standeth in the seat of the scornful, or standeth in the way of the sinners. Because those ways are going to keep me away from God. Those are, those are in opposition to him, but I'm going to delight in his word, in his law. And I'm going to think about it day and night. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to chew on it. I'm going I'm I'm to put it sticky notes, whatever I have to do to keep me meditating on his word. So my mind is transformed. I'm hiding the word in my heart. Like David said, so I do not sin against the Lord. I don't sin against him so I can live according to his word. That's important. So we'll be like trees planted by rivers of water that bring forth in uh, fruit in its season, in due season. Right? Because whatever we sow, we will reap that. Let's reap good. And let's continue to do good and not be weary in doing so. Right? So we know that we will be rewarded for our well-doing. But whatsoever we do will prosper. Think about that. Whatsoever you do. So when we begin to put our minds on God's word and, and how we cleanse our way, it talks about this in Psalm one, uh, 119 and nine, the, wherewithal shall man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. This is how we become masterminds, how we begin to master our minds. And I pray that God will help you through this message. And I pray that you were encouraged and God gave you something in this so that you will become a mastermind by mastering your mind. And that you'll take the time to watch any time that you are emotional so that you can work through it and pause, that you'll exercise self-control. Be sober in your thinking. Be sober so that you can think clearly, to pray, to seek God, to seek his word, to seek godly counsel and wisdom. Right. I'm going to exercise my faith and then I'm going to continue to seek knowledge so that I transform my mind and I move away from those things of the world onto those things of God. So with that, let's close with a word of prayer. And gracious Father God in the name of Jesus Christ oh God we just thank you for this day you've given us oh God we thank you for this opportunity to hear a message about being a mastermind oh God to master our mind Father and I pray that each and every person that that hears this message Father God will be strengthened and encouraged Father God to step out to exercise their, their faith oh God they're using self control Father God and they're using knowledge exercising it Father God to be in your word Father God to pause oh God so that they can make decisions oh God that glorify you that they're leaning on on their own understanding, but they're leaning on you. They're trusting in you, Father God, with all their heart, Father God. I pray that you'll help them. I pray that you'll bless them, Father God, that you'll allow them to continue to stand, that their allegiance is unchanging in you, Father God. Let their faith show, their actions show that they believe and trust in you, for you are a warder of everyone, Lord God, that diligently seeks you, Father. So we love you, Lord. We bless you today, Father God, and ask for your blessings upon each and every person, Father. It's in Jesus' name I thank you and pray. Amen. And amen. I pray that the Lord bless you through this message again. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to shoot us a message uh, at love at vhills.church or shoot us a message on Facebook. And until the next time, keep looking to the hills. God bless you.